Hello, everyone, and welcome back for episode 19 of Take It or Leave It, where we discuss the hottest topics in the world of workplace leaves, absence management, and accommodations. I'm Josh Seidman, and I'm once again joined by my amazing co-host and friend, Meg Toth. Hi, Josh. Yes, and welcome, everyone, um, for episode 19 of Take It or Leave It. So great to be back with everyone today. I can't believe it's already springtime and we have a number of holidays going on. I know I'm looking forward to some warmer weather that's hopefully right around the corner, but you never know because sometimes April and even May, at least in Chicago, are a bit of a hit or miss. Josh, any plans for the upcoming holidays or spring break or anything like that? Yeah, we're going to be seeing some family coming into town for both Passover and Easter. So we've got lots of family plans to see everyone over the next you know week or so. We also have a trip coming up in just a few weeks. We're taking the kids and my parents and, and wife and I are all going down to St. Lucia for a few days to get some uh, some nice sun and, and beach weather, get the summer started a little bit early in the Sideman house. That's incredible. I am very jealous of the warm weather vacation. <laughs> As you yes, know, we were just in London and there was no sun in sight. So I'm rethinking my travel choices around this time of year. <laughs> We strategically picked a, a location that was right on the beach, as close as possible, without having <laughs> the hotel front door. Amazing. That sounds amazing. Yeah. And, you know, for today's episode, I mean, putting the beautiful, you know, weather and, and, and vacation dreams aside for a second, we're going to be talking today about a trend, a growing trend, I would say, in the leave of absence and accommodations world and something that's a, a bit of a different topic than what we've covered in, in prior episodes. This one is going to cover bereavement leave. That's right. Bereavement leave might not come up as often as some of the other leaves and accommodation topics we've talked about, like paid sick leave or paid family leave or absences under the federal FMLA. Um, and so on and so forth. But it is just as important. And as Josh mentioned, it's somewhat trendy right now for a couple of reasons. You know, there's more states that we're going to be talking about that are coming online with, with laws requiring the leave. And also it's a sensitive time for employees who are you know suffering a loss and need the time off to grieve and, and to make sure that as an employer, you're providing that time, both as it's legally required and to support your employees. So it's a very, very important topic. And uh, as we'll discuss in a little bit, bereavement leave is also quite interconnected with other certain categories of leave and time off. Yeah, for sure, Meg, it, it definitely is. And, you know, I, I couldn't agree more with your point about the importance of bereavement leave for both employees and their employers. You know, you, you know this uh, recently on a personal level, I, I've lost uh, two family members. Uh, I was incredibly close to both of them, loved them dearly. I'd known them my entire life. And their losses have been difficult for me and my family. But in both instances, I was able to take some time off to mourn their passing, reflect on the impact that they had on me, on their, on their lives, and, and to be present with my family as, as we all go through the grieving and healing process together. And needless to say, the ability to take that time off, that bereavement leave, was really invaluable, again, on a personal level. So it's a topic that I know a lot of our listeners you know, can relate to. Hopefully, you know, folks never have to deal with this, but to the extent that they do, this is a topic that can have a really huge importance on the lives of individual employees. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree. And and I know, obviously, I've, you know, I've been around and know you've been going through some tough times. And I you know, know other colleagues and friends that go through these periods of time. And, and I, of course, have myself as well. And I think the overall response to people who have employers that give them that time, whether it's because the law requires it or because they have these good policies that support their employees, there's so much appreciation and goodwill that's established and given to employers that provide this time because it is, it's very important for employees to get that time and I think it enhances loyalty and productivity. There's many benefits to it, of course. Absolutely. So let's let's jump into some specifics, give our listeners a bit of background and, and a feel for what this topic involves. So just as an overview, can you give us, you know, some high level thoughts? You know, what what is bereavement leave? What do typical bereavement leave policies generally include and entail? Uh, maybe let's get started there. Yeah, yeah, of course. So the typical bereavement leave policy, which, you know, quite frankly, they aren't typically as complicated as some of the other types of policies we're looking at. Um, And so at a very high level, they're typically drafted with an eye toward providing employees time off to grieve the loss of an individual. You know, the policy provides for a certain amount of time, certainly, um, whether it's paid or unpaid. Policies typically define, you know, what the time can be used for, whether that's mourning or coordinating and attending a funeral, planning the memorial or other related services. The policies typically define who is a covered family member or who the employee can actually take the time off to handle those matters for. And the typical time, I think probably one of the biggest questions or focuses both of employers and employees is how much time is provided. And of course, it ranges depending on the location of the employee and the philosophies of the employer. But typically, it's between three and five days per year um, or per loss, kind of depending on what the employer wants to do with that. And just to sort of throw the topic back to you as I'm talking through some of these issues um, or these factors that go into a policy at a high level, in your opinion, you know, what would you say are some of the benefits of an employer adopting a bereavement policy now that we've talked about what usually is part of the policy? Yeah, yeah, no, it's a great overview, Megan. And I think, you know, you hit upon a little bit of this before, but I, I think, you know, one, there's legal compliance considerations, right? And not in a ton of places, but certainly in in a handful. And we'll we'll talk about a few of those in in just a couple of minutes. But outside of complying with legal requirements, there are many important benefits, considerations for companies when they are considering whether to adopt a bereavement leave policy and the content of that policy. A big one, a huge one, incredibly important is employee relations, right? Connection to your workers. Hopefully, as I said before, employees never need to utilize the bereavement leave benefit. But if they do, having a company policy in place that provides them with flexibility, with time off to grieve, to mourn, to heal, it demonstrates a level of care. It demonstrates a level of support from the company to its employees. And and it shows workers that the company values and prioritizes its employees and their emotional health. You know, losing a loved one is never easy. And when an employee works for a company that recognizes the challenges that losing a loved one brings and the importance of having bereavement leave, it, it says a lot about the company's culture. So I think all of that is, is maybe the most important factor, sort of the cultural impact of it. It is also appealing, I think, too, just a quick related thought. You have a policy in place, it provides clarity to both workers and then 
other related members of the company, to supervisors or managers, to human resources, to payroll and so forth. And having that clarity and, and detail on what the procedures are that should be followed from a time off perspective when the employee is typically handling so much stress and so much emotion, that can also be really uh, significant and, and really helpful for a company to have that ironed out too. So those are, you know, there are many reasons why companies should consider adopting a bereavement leave policy, you know, but Meg, as we've mentioned and, and kind of previewed for our listeners a bit, there are some places where it's taken, you know, out of the company's hands, not really up to them to set the terms and the conditions, but there are some legal standards that need to be satisfied. Can, can you give us just a little bit of background, a little more detail on some you know, locations where uh, there might be a bereavement leave requirement? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So currently, there is no federal requirement to offer bereavement leave, right. um, but a number of states just in the last year have been coming online with specific bereavement leave requirements. The two uh, biggest ones are Illinois and California that require employers to offer a certain amount of bereavement leave under certain conditions and situations. Starting with Illinois, so the Illinois law is actually not a new law. It was just an amendment to an existing law. So in Illinois, um, you know, some of our listeners may be aware of the Illinois Child Bereavement Leave Act which was enacted a number of years ago. And then just in 2022, an effective January 1st of 2023, it was amended to be called the Family Bereavement Leave Act. And what that means is that the law now, instead of just applying to the death of a child, it provides a certain amount of leave time for employees for the death of um, more covered family members. And typically that would include, you know, a child and a stepchild still, just as it did under the the Child Bereavement Leave Act. But it also includes spouses, domestic partners, siblings, parents, step-parents and parents-in-law, grandchildren and grandparents. And that is, you know, allows the employee time off for the death of those covered family members. It is 10 days of time off. So that's an important factor, obviously. It is an unpaid leave law, so the time does not necessarily have to be paid. And employers that are covered, I guess I should have started with this, but the law applies to FMLA-covered employers. So employers with 50 or more employees are covered by this law. And then employees who are eligible, it's the same FMLA eligibility requirement. So they have to have worked for the company for a year. They have to have worked 1,250 hours. And they have to have uh, worked at a a work site with 50 or more employees in a 75-mile radius. One aspect of this law that I definitely think is worth mentioning that makes it kind of unique is in addition to providing time off for the typical bereavement leave reasons following the death of a family member, it also provides employees with time off who suffer a loss or um, a negative experience related to fertility or the birth process, such as a miscarriage unsuccessful rounds of fertility treatment, a failed adoption um, is another one. And then there's the general broad reason for use that includes any diagnosis that negatively impacts pregnancy or fertility. It also covers employees who uh, suffer a stillbirth and those who have a failed surrogacy agreement. So it's a bit more broad than a typical what you'd think of as is typically covered in a bereavement leave law. 
So lots going on there. Um, very important for employers to make sure that they've captured these changes and that their policies reflect these changes as well. And then the other big one that I mentioned is California. And the California law went into effect January 1st of 2023. And that law also provides a statutory entitlement to bereavement leave for most workers in the state. Specifically, the law requires any business that employs five or more people to allow qualified employees up to five days of bereavement leave for the death of a qualifying family member. Employers should be aware that an employee is not required to take all of the bereavement leave at once. They can take it intermittently. And although the employee's days off do not have to be consecutive, employers may require this leave to take place within three months of the death of the family member. If an employee has worked at least 30 or more days within the last 12 months, they'll be eligible for this bereavement leave. So it's a pretty broad coverage. Definitely important to note that the leave is unpaid with some nuances depending on whether the employee has available paid time off from other buckets of time that might be available. And then in terms of qualifying family members, it's a little bit different from the Illinois law. It includes a spouse, a child, a parent, a sibling, grandparent, grandchild, domestic partners, parent-in-law, as defined by the California Family Rights Act. And speaking of CIFRA, or the California Family Rights Act, this leave is meant to be above and beyond the 12 weeks of unpaid leave provided on CIFRA, so that's also important to be aware of. Wow. Good, good stuff, Meg. My goodness. It, it is so, so fascinating to sort of hear about both of these new developments you know, sort of against one another, especially on the employer coverage and eligibility points, you know, how, how California is sort of a lower bar than the Illinois standards are. The scope of covered absences under the Illinois law, obviously, like you said, much broader and, and covers a lot more ground than what folks might typically think of when they hear the term bereavement leave. So uh, really, really great stuff. One other point, too, that I know you and I have dealt with just over the last few months is, as handbook season has come around again for employers. It's important to keep in mind that you know if they do have a company provided bereavement leave policy on the books, coordinating that policy with both the California and Illinois legal standards is hugely important, right? And this includes not just the amount of, of time off, uh, as you discussed, but also who's a covered family member, what are the covered absences, are there notice standards that employees need to be allowed to provide, or what type of documentation can be required? Does a leave you need to be made available intermittently? You know, is the, are the absences going to be job protected in terms of no retaliation, no interference, and, and all of that? So a lot of coordination uh, pieces, too, now that there is more uh, legal requirements within this landscape. Yes, for sure. There's a lot, lot going on, a lot to think about with these laws and, and the policies that come from them, for sure. You know, we've covered the unpaid leave laws, two of the big ones that are out there. Are there any other areas or locations where employers may be required to provide employees with bereavement leave? Yeah, yeah, there are. You know, it wouldn't be a leave of absence discussion uh, without some some little curveballs here. So, there are some other ways that employers can be required to provide mandatory bereavement leave besides just a straight bereavement leave mandate, uh, bereavement leave law. So, for instance, uh, last year, the Washington State Paid Family Medical Leave Program was amended to add bereavement leave as a qualifying absence for which employees can receive 
those paid benefits. So this is in addition to bonding with a new child, in addition to caring for the employee's own serious health condition or a family member who has a serious health condition. Now, employees who are eligible for Washington paid family medical leave will be entitled to bereavement leave during the seven calendar days following the death of a covered family member. So that's now part of of that paid family medical leave program. In the paid sick leave world, there are a few, a couple of locations, state, local locations, that also include bereavement leave as a covered reason for use for which the employees can use their available paid sick time to take absences and receive paid time off when they have a bereavement leave need. Uh, Oregon is uh, the most prominent example. Uh, Employees who are eligible for the Oregon paid sick leave law, which is a very low threshold, can use their up to 40 hours of paid sick leave in a year And all of it could be used for bereavement leave for the death of a family member. And that includes attending a funeral, making arrangements due to that individual's death, and then grieving the death. The local Tacoma, Washington paid sick leave law also includes bereavement leave as a covered absence, by the way. And then there are a few other statutory areas outside of paid family medical leave and paid sick leave where bereavement leave requirements can pop up. These include unpaid family medical leave. You know, there's a patchwork of unpaid FML laws out there. Oregon's Family uh, Leave Act uh, also includes bereavement leave as a covered reason. And uh, kin care leave laws uh, can also include bereavement as a covered uh, absence. And Maryland's uh, kin care law is an example of that. So outside of California and Illinois, you do have a number of other states and localities that can impose bereavement leave requirements on employers and based on the various other leave laws that might exist. And I'll say one one sort of final thought here is, you know, bereavement leave, we're seeing this trend, as we mentioned at the start of this episode, of bereavement leave popping up, whether it is through standalone statutes like in, in California and Illinois, through amendments to other leave laws like in Washington. And it's important for employers to really keep a close eye on this topic. This is you know, especially true because as more and more states that are usually considered you know, blue, employee-friendly states enact paid sick leave, paid family leave mandates, bereavement leave is an area where we could see continued expansion of the legal leave of absence you know, landscape and, and playing field in those states. You know, if they're already done with sick leave and family leave, what's next? Well, we can turn to bereavement leave through a standalone law or an, an amendment to an existing law. So keep an eye out on that in the coming months and years. That's exactly right. And I think it's a great point because although we, we see these trends in the adoption of specific bereavement leave laws, you know, certainly it's important to be on the lookout for those, but it's also important to be on the lookout of the existing laws that may get amended to add coverage for bereavement leave, because I think those have the tendency to fly under the radar a bit more and be missed by employers. So that's a fantastic point. Absolutely. So I think that wraps up our episode for today. I know it isn't one of the most uplifting topics, but certainly an important one for employees and employers alike. So Appreciate everybody tuning in to today and, and the discussion, Josh. Yep. Thanks, Meg. Always great when we get to do our uh, back and forth episodes. I love it when it's uh, when it's just the two of us, even though, like you said, not a fun topic. It's, it's really good to get the information out there to our listeners. Absolutely. I agree. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in uh, for this episode of Take It or Leave It. We will see you next time.